everybody said praise the Lord. Let's give God a big hand. Come on. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. Thank God. Thank you. Everybody, I want to tell you we're glad to see you and have you here. And uh, we've had some that had some interruption about being here tonight, but we're working on that, and we hope to get that all squared away shortly. In the meantime, we're here. God's here. And we want to have church. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right. We love you and appreciate you. And uh, I'm going to let you be seated for a little bit. God bless you. All right. We're uh, very happy to have Brother Veely here and his family and some of his church family. I want him to come and greet the, greet the congregation in Jesus' name. So beautiful to be in God's house with a, a church that is alive, alive for Jesus. And there's a difference. There's a difference in God's church, and it's easy to tell when you walk in and you feel the love of God and you feel the excitement of the Holy Ghost and people worshiping. And, and I'm just glad to be here and looking forward to it tonight.
worship you, we all worship living you, God. Almighty God. We give you honor. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, dear God. High and lifted up you are. Your train fills the temple, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right. Everybody said praise the Lord. Well, I want to welcome tonight. Is it Beverly Raymond? I got that right? Am I close? Okay, give her a big hand. She's right over here. All right. And uh, I'm really happy to welcome Mr. and Mrs. Miguel Fonseca. Let's give them a big hand. Amen. Amen. All right. Very glad for everybody that's here. We love you and we appreciate you. And I'm very happy tonight to bring a young old man uh, to preach tonight. And, uh, boy, we've been together longer than I want to say. And uh, uh, But I do remember that my wife used to cook and feed him before he got married. And uh, we had a lot of good fellowship, and we still do. And we're glad to have Brother Kennedy here tonight, and Sister Kennedy, of course. Give Sister Kennedy a big hand. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor. It is good to be in service tonight. The presence of the Lord is here, and He has come to help you. Hallelujah. He is a comforter. He is a comforter. He is able to help us, He is able to minister to us. I didn't come here to preach. I was doing a little study today, so if it's all right, I'll just share my Bible study with you. Is that all right? <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Leviticus chapter 13. Leviticus chapter 13. There are guidelines that are set in the 13th chapter of Leviticus for the priest to be able to determine if an affliction in the flesh is the plague of leprosy or if it's just something in the skin, just some kind of, of ailment. And in verse 44, just to narrow it down quickly, the priest would determine he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean his plague is in his head. And I want to talk about having a plague in your head. A plague in your head. And everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Leprosy was dreaded. It was a death sentence if you were pronounced to, to have leprosy. It separated you from the congregation that you were not allowed to dwell within the camp, but you had to, to be without the camp. If anyone approached, your mouth was to be covered and you were to cry, unclean, unclean. But th they did not want a contagious condition to be spread among the camp. And it was the responsibility of the priest to declare a person was either clean or unclean. Either it was leprosy or it was not leprosy. And it w there were guidelines set here in the Word of God. It wasn't a guessing game, but he had guidelines, things to look for to determine if it were either a leprosy 
or not. Just some skin rash or ailment that wouldn't amount to anything. But the priest had the responsibility of declaring that and that he was to not do it just off the top of his head or according to personal like or dislike, but he was to judge according to the word of God. In the Old Testament, we read of leprosy, and in the symbolism, in the shadows and types, that the plague of leprosy was a type of sin, that it represented sin. And it was the priest's job to determine whether that was in the flesh. There were certain things they looked for if it were in the flesh, lower than the, just the surface of the flesh. There are some things that are just surface. But there are some things that are lower than just the surface. They're down in the flesh. And they have to be dealt with. They must be monitored. In some cases, the priest was to close them up. He would quarantine them for a period of time. At the end, usually it was seven days. At the end of that seven days, the priest would they would come before the priest again, and he would re-examine. And if it had spread, if it had uh, increased in any way, then he would pronounce them unclean, and they would be unclean. And if it had not spread, if things looked better, then the priest could declare that they were clean. In some cases, he wasn't sure. And so he would close them up and quarantine them for another week. You know, there are times when a pastor is dealing with a situation, someone perhaps in the congregation there may be times that the pastor has to set someone down off the platform. Why? Because there's something in their flesh that we're not sure about. There's an attitude. There's something there. And we want to know if it's deeper than just surface. We want to know if it goes beyond just appearance and if it's something down in their spirit. And don't, don't think that he is being harsh or unkind. It is his responsibility to the rest of the congregation to isolate that which can quickly spread through a congregation and cause them to fall away from God. Hallelujah. So in this case, the plague, he said, he would examine, and if, if this was determined according to the guidelines, then he would pronounce him unclean. He was leprous, he was unclean, and the plague is in his head. In the book of Proverbs 23, verse 7, he said, For he that thinketh in his heart, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. The heart, the head, the heart. And that as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. To understand the, the head, and we're not just talking about the head, but the thinking, the very center of who we are. In Matthew 15, verse 19, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. Out of the heart, out of the mind of man, it is the fountain. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23, I believe it is, he said, Keep thy heart with all diligence. Keep thy heart, keep your mind with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It is something that requires diligence to watch, to guard, to protect, that we do not allow the enemy to come into our thinking and to inflict us that it would become a plague in our head. Most people's problems 
reside right here. Many of the medical conditions that people are suffering with today are caused from their thinking, from their mind. It is, it, it is something that is in their very thought process that brings sickness. I, I believe that people that harbor bitterness and unforgiveness in their heart eventually that will begin to manifest itself in our physical bodies. If there is a spiritual ailment, eventually it becomes a physical ailment. Guard your heart. You need to make sure there's not any root of bitterness. Let's spring up at trouble. Many are troubled by this problem. The battleground, the battleground that we have is in our minds. It is in our minds. Paul taught that we, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And among those strongholds, he, he talks about imagination. It's something that is going on in here. It may not be real, but it becomes real to us. It is how we perceive a situation and when we allow that imagination to take root and we begin to be convinced by something that is an imagination and I believe that our imagination is a God-given ability. I believe that God gives us... The Bible talked about Moses in, in the Hebrews 11 as seeing him who is invisible. That he was able to use this part of his God-given ability to see something that could not be seen with the natural physical eye. Hallelujah. And so he was able to see that which was invisible. Praise God. Out of the heart, out of the heart, Jesus said, proceed evil thoughts. It is from our, our thinking that we battle and we wrestle and we struggle. And we have to cast down imaginations. Those that are not inspired by God. You see, that same ability that God can inspire and give you vision for the work of God and for the kingdom of God, the enemy can inspire our imagination as well. And sometimes I need the priest to take a look. I need him to examine. I believe that that's what the Word of God does, that, that through the Word of God that we are made clean, that those imaginations that begin to take root that are not from God, they get cut away, they get cast down, bringing into captivity every thought. Every thought. Hallelujah. The Bible said to gird up the loins of your mind. That creative ability, that creative thought process, that it needs to be harnessed, it needs to be controlled by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Let God inspire your thinking. Let the Word of God live in us. Let it dwell in us richly. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, praise him just a minute. Come on, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Glory, you can be seated if you'd like. It, it, it's amazing how things can get so twisted up in our minds. Things that started out right can become twisted. They can become perverted. I know years ago, 
people, and it's where we got the term, your Sunday best, that people showed respect for the house of God by wearing the very best clothing that they had. May have just been a pair of overalls that didn't have as many patches on it. But it was the best they had, so they reserved that for Sunday wear because they showed respect. It is still part of our culture today. If you were going to see the president, you would wear your best. It's a way to show respect for their office. And so that's why we started dressing nicely to come to church. But somewhere in people's minds it got twisted. And all of a sudden going to church became a fashion show. It was to see and be seen over something that started right, but it got twisted. The enemy twisted that to cause something that, that thrived on our carnal nature and looking good and stylish and, and being popular and modern. Praise God. Some way we, we've got a plague in our head. We need to make sure that we don't have that going on in our thinking. Amen? Praise God. The Bible tells us about the first king of Israel. And Saul was anointed king. Samuel anointed him. And the Bible said concerning Saul that he was head and shoulders taller than any man in Israel. This guy was a big dude. He was a big guy. But when it was time to anoint him, they couldn't find him. He was hid among the stuff. And he, he did not seem to be arrogant. He did not seem to, to be proud and arrogant and pushy. He's hiding. He's, he's not sure of himself at this point. And yet he is anointed king of Israel. God blesses him. In one place, the word of the Lord said, I would have established your kingdom. There would have been no need for a David if Saul had obeyed God. There would have been no need for a David to come along if Saul had just obeyed God. It would have opened the door for a lineage of the household of Saul that Jonathan could have followed him. But something got a hold of his thinking. There are not many people today that can deal with success. They can't deal with success. And I'm not going to say they. I'm going to say us. I spoke with a man that, that had started a business and God blessed him. And he came to me one day and he said, I never thought. I never thought that I would deal with the things I'm dealing with. The attitudes that I, I catch myself with. Just because I have a little drop of success in my life. We need to be aware that we all can be affected. We all can be infected with those kinds of attitudes. Our pride and our arrogance. Listen, that God is no respecter of persons. Hallelujah. What we have in Jesus tonight... You can't buy with money. Hallelujah. You can't buy this with money. It is not according to your pedigree. 
It doesn't matter who your family was or what part of town you live in. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive or what kind of clothes you wear. You see, if we had to buy this, there wouldn't any of us be here. There's not any of us that could afford to redeem our own soul. I'm grateful for the blessings of God, for his abundant grace and his mercy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord sent Samuel to Saul. You can be seated. And gave him a mission to to do, and that he was to go against the Amalekites and to destroy them, to destroy all of them. And Saul went out, but he did not fulfill the mission that God had given him to fulfill. And there were some that were saved. They saved King Agag. They saved some of the best of the cattle, the best of the sheep. You see, that's what people fight over is the best sheep. They don't care about the old scrubs. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Samuel comes the next day, and Saul meets him. Oh, praise the Lord, Brother Samuel. I've obeyed the word of the Lord. And Samuel had spent a sleepless night in tears and agony hearing from God of the disobedience of Saul. I believe that Samuel loved Saul. He wished him the best. It wasn't that Samuel didn't like Saul, that he was angry, that he had some vendetta against him. He loved him and he wanted the best for Saul. But he disobeyed God. And Samuel had to declare that it was leprosy. You have a plague in your head. And the judgments of God that would would come against Saul, 1 Samuel 15, verse 17, and Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight. When thou wast little in thine own sight. You see, the attitude was so different back at the beginning. There was a time that Samuel had it right. But through a few successes in his life, a few accomplishments in his life, that he thought that he could change what God had told him to do, that he could redefine the will of God for his life and do things that were not prescribed by God for him to do and not do things that God had directly commanded him to do. When you were little in your own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. Saul began to make excuses. Invariably, it is amazing how people can take their disobedience and make it look as though it were some attempt at spirituality. We save the best for sacrifice. We save the best of the flock, best of the herd, that we can sacrifice it to the Lord. Oh, we love, we want to praise God. And it's a declaration of their spirituality. Samuel knew better. 
Samuel said, verse 22, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Hallelujah. To obey is better than sacrifice. God wasn't concerned. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill. He wasn't needing one more little sheep or one more oxen to be offered to him. What he was looking for, and listen, what God is looking for in our lives is obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. He hath rejected you from being king. You would have been established. You would have been king. Everything would have gone as it was. But you got a plague. Something got a hold of your thinking. We begin to think it's us. You know, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm pretty talented. I'm pretty smart. You're not pretty anything but stupid if you're thinking like that. There's a plague that gets a hold of us. There's a plague in our thinking. Praise God. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, speaking of Jesus, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. This was out of the norm for Jewish people. This is where you're going to meet Samaria. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Praise God. Jesus comes into a certain village. There are ten lepers that cry out to him, Have mercy on us. Help us. Help us. It doesn't say that they requested healing for their leprosy, but Jesus saw the obvious need in their lives. And Jesus didn't simply say, Be healed of your leprosy. How many of you believe that Jesus could have done that? He could have immediately spoken healing and they would have been made whole that very instant but Jesus didn't say be healed from your leprosy he said go show yourself to the priest go back to the one that pointed it out to you you see you may have gotten mad at him and Jesus isn't going to override that before your healing comes you got to go back to the priest 
that put his finger on it and said it's leprosy. The one that said you got a plague in your head. You need to go back to him. And as these men went back, as they went to the priest, maybe the same priest that had declared you are a leper. That, that's like the preacher saying you're a sinner. I, I had more than one person get mad at me. One man in particular went away and he was so angry. He said, that preacher called me a sinner. I did a good job, didn't I? That, that's what I was supposed to do. To point out, you have a plague. You have a leprosy. There's something going on here that needs to be dealt with. There's something here that cannot be included in the camp. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And, and the very man that pointed this out in your life, maybe you got angry. Maybe you weren't happy about the fact that he pointed out your fault. You are a sinner. For all have sinned. For all have sinned. And we come short. We miss the mark. We do not measure up to the righteousness of God. We do not measure up to his standards in our own ability. Listen, it doesn't matter how tall Saul was. Eventually, the enemy sent somebody taller. There comes a Goliath along. And suddenly, Saul can no longer depend on his physical ability. Let me tell you, God will allow you to get into circumstances that you can no longer rely on your intellect, on your talents, on your gifts, on your ability. You can only trust in God. Hallelujah. God knows how to make the difference between my limited ability and the ability to overcome Goliath, to overcome every obstacle, to overcome every enemy that the devil may send against us. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. It seems that every new generation faces its Goliath. Hallelujah. We are living in a world that... that I have to be honest, I feel like an alien. I don't belong here. It is becoming more weird and perverse and darkened. It is insane the things that are going on in the world around us. And if we were to just get focused on the world, we would think, boy, we're losing the battle. This is not working. We would become discouraged and, and maybe even in despair because of the condition of the world. But I must remember that every time the enemy raises up a Goliath, that God raises up a David. Hallelujah, that there's going to be somebody that can step into the place of Saul, that will stand tall, that will be faithful, that will walk with God, that will be after God's own heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Glory. I believe in this hour that where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. Hallelujah. That where sin, it looks like it's overrunning. I believe that God is going to raise up people. He's going to raise up men. He's going to raise up women. He's going to raise up young people that will stand. 
Hallelujah. That will not be intimidated by the powers of darkness around them. By the powers of darkness. The, the enemy that is coming that seems to be so intimidating. God is going to raise up people that will believe him and trust him to defeat the enemy. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I want to make sure I don't have a plague in my thinking, that I don't have leprosy in my thinking. Oh, that I allow God to bring that cleansing and purifying, that I will let him wash all of that out, all of the bitterness out. You, you see, there are people that are afraid to go to the pastor because he's put his finger on it. He said, that's leprosy. That's not right. And Jesus is saying to them, you want to be cleansed? You want to get beyond this death sentence of leprosy in your life? Go show yourself to the priest. And when they went, as they went, hallelujah, as they went, something happened. Hallelujah. The leprosy was cleansed. It, it was taken away. You see, under the Old Testament, I don't read of one account that I can think of right off of a person ever being cleansed from leprosy and going and showing the priest. It only happened when they came to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, an encounter with Jesus will take care of the thing that the finger has been put on so that you don't have to worry about going back to the priest. Well, he just doesn't like me. No, he doesn't like leprosy. And if you come back and you've been in the presence of Jesus, you can show him. Look, look, preacher, look at this. I've been made whole. I've been healed. I don't have that attitude anymore. I don't have that ugly spirit. I don't have that perversion in my life anymore. I have been made whole because I've been with Jesus. I've been with Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. I would imagine that these pre the, the priest became excited. He wasn't down on the leper. He was down on the leprosy. And how exciting to have someone come back and say, look, look what Jesus has done for me. Look how he changed my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on and give God some praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated just a moment. Unfortunately, there was only one of these who took it the next step. These men went on their way, cleansed from leprosy. They were allowed to be part of the community again. But only one of them, as he was going, saw what had happened. And he returned back. To say thanks. Thank you God. Thank you for what you have done. 
Hallelujah. This is where the added blessing comes. Not only was he cleansed from the leprosy, but the Bible said that one that came back with thanks, that he was made whole. He was made whole. Hallelujah. Sin can leave some ugly scars in your life. But when you reach the place of thankfulness for what God has done in your life, hallelujah, when we reach that place that we have godliness with contentment, hallelujah, we're not chomping at the bits. We're not always pushing the limits. Oh, I'm grateful for this holiness, for godliness, for this separation unto the Lord. And we reach the place that we have godliness with contentment. I'm glad for this life. I'm grateful for the touch of God that set me free from the plague of leprosy so that I can walk in the pureness and the holiness of His glorious presence. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Be seated just another minute. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter full of so many wonderful examples and among those is Moses verse 23 talks about the faith of his parents that they kept him alive they didn't care what the Pharaoh had to say about it they kept him alive by faith and then it by faith Moses when he was come to years refused to be called the Pharaoh the son of Pharaoh's daughter why would he do that why would he not avail himself of the perks and the privileges of being part of the royal family in Egypt? Why would he not aspire to that greatness? There was something different about Moses. There was something different about Moses. Praise God. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing. This was... What makes it amazing is that Moses did this by choice. It wasn't that he had to. He wasn't forced into it. He wasn't coerced into it. His mama didn't make him do this. But he chose to do this, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That, that doesn't sound logical that Moses would choose rather to suffer affliction. That, that's not how we go in life and choosing to suffer, choosing the hard way, choosing to do the hard thing. But Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. How, did, how was he able to make such a mature choice? What was it that enabled him? I believe there was something in his mind, in the way he looked at life, and how he thought that allowed Moses to make this kind of choice for his life. It's You see, Jesus said, broad, wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to, now that sounds like the way I want to go. A wide gate, broad way, easy street, folks. This is, this is the easy way to do it. We can get ahead. We can do this so easily because this is just simple. 
But there's another choice. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way, but you have to look at the road sign to see where it leads. We have to look beyond the momentary pleasure that sin brings into our lives. We have to look beyond just how it looks for now and to think about what it's going to do tomorrow. What's it going to do to my family a year from now? How's it going to affect? You see, I, I believe if Lot had the opportunity to go back and make that choice again, when his father-in-law Abraham said, choose, which one do you want to take? And he pitched his tent toward the well-watered plains. It looked like the right choice. It would be monetary advantage for him in raising sheep to have all of this grass, all of this water. But there came a day that I think if he could go back to that moment, he would have never, never started in the direction of those worldly, immoral, ungodly places in their lives. He would have said, I, I, I'm going anywhere but around this. Making that kind of mature choice, he looked at what would profit him today. Listen, don't take a job that's going to take you out of church. I don't care how much it pays. Hallelujah. <clears throat> hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Let's see what was going on with him, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He esteemed the reproach of Christ, accepting the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Why did he do that? For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. The word respect here is the only place that it's used in the scripture. It literally means to look away from everything else. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He shut out everything else. Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, he was able to endure the cross. Let me tell you, the only way you're going to choose to suffer affliction with the people of God is if you look beyond today. You read the road sign that says that straight gate and that narrow way, it leadeth to life. That broad way, that wide gate, it leadeth to destruction. You've got to look down the road to make a mature choice. I've got to close out everything else. I've got to get focused on that one thing. I am going to make it to heaven. Hallelujah. No matter what else I do, no matter how much I may build, how much success I may appear to have in my life, that if I die lost, then I am the biggest loser of all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What would a man give in exchange for his soul? I must be saved. I must be saved. Whatever it takes to get rid of the leprosy, whatever it takes, God, let us be saved. Hallelujah. He, he looked away from everything else, and he got his eyes on the goal. 
Hallelujah. The psalmist said, this one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. Hallelujah. He desired to dwell in the house of the Lord, to behold his glory. He, he got a desire for the things of the Spirit. He got an appetite for the things of God. And he said, one thing, I'm going to close out everything else, all of the distractions. I'm going to live for God with all of my heart. Hallelujah. The first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. It's the only thing that matters. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God for that power that is greater than Leprosy, the wages of sin, is death. But I want you to know tonight, there's hope. There's hope in this house for a leper. Hallelujah. There's hope. Whatever may plague may have come into your mind, I want you to know that there is an anointing in this place that can help you get your thinking straight. Hallelujah, to get your mind back in focus on what is really important. I'm going to love God. The first and great commandment, love God. Love God, love God, love God, love God, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we can get that going on, we won't have to worry about the rest of it. I'm going to get focused on this. Hallelujah, I'm going to get focused on the work of God. I'm going to get focused on Bible studies. I'm going to get focused on witnessing. I'm going to get focused on soul winning. I'm going to get focused in prayer. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Get my mind, get my thinking straightened out. Lest I begin to desire the things of the world. I open the door to the enemy to fill my thoughts with ambitions and desires that are not from God. Hallelujah. I just want to be where the Lord wants me to be and to be what he's called me to be. Hallelujah. To labor, to bloom where he plants me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is an awesome God. Come on. Can we give the Lord praise? Lift up the name of Jesus. He is worthy. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's love him. Heard from God tonight. A beautiful message from the word of the Lord. Deep in the book. Come on now. Let your heart be open. Thank you, dear God, for caring so much about every one of us. Reaching to each and every heart and each and every life. Oh God, I give you praise. I give you glory and honor, Holy Savior. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you, dear Lord. You're the God of gods and the King of kings. You are so mighty, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, dear God. Praise God. Everybody said praise the Lord. We have a lot of people to pray about that... Uh, in need of prayer. 
have some that are in hospitals and some that are. We had a, a man had a stroke, back of his head bleeding, and oh man, you had to look past what you saw when you went in the ICU. Let me tell you, all the tubes and everything else, and but uh, God touched him. God has touched him, and uh, he he woke up and had been in a coma type thing. He woke up and started ripping the tubes out. He didn't want to get up and go to work. And uh, so God is doing a great work there. And we've had another individual that uh, said that the left side of the body of this woman that was stricken with a, a stroke, and somebody said it was a major stroke, just kind of getting me a message. I said, no problem. We get a major miracle. That's what we major in. We major in major miracles. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so, guess what? She's walking. Yeah, and the arm is working. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Many other such things that God has done and is doing in this right now, present tense and time. And so tonight, let us remember people that need prayer. You have people in your heart and on your prayer list. Remember them now. And uh, let us pray one more time before we dismiss tonight. Shall we? Father God, Lord, you are so great. And I praise you, Lord. Whether it be a plague of the head, the heart, or God or the body, you are the healer, you are the deliverer, you have every answer to every situation. And help us, God, to believe you and not to doubt, but to believe you, God. Give you praise and glory and honor. I give you thanks, O oh, holy God, I give you thanks. Oh, Lord, accept our praise tonight. In the beautiful name of Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. All right, everybody said hallelujah. Home churches over the weekend have great services wherever you're from. Work with your leadership. And um, 